And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we are back. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Conaway, founder and CEO of Innovate Her KC. And I got to tell you, friends, today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io. Fullscale can help you hire software developers. They know it's difficult, and they can help you build a software team quickly and affordably. They have the platform to help you manage that team. Visit Fullscale.io to learn more. So, friends, we have an amazing guest for you today. Uh, Shannon Early is founder and CEO of Pump. And I don't know if you know this, but I, I'm pushing 40 here. And we're going to be talking about beauty and the importance of investing in beauty. And we have an expert here to chat about beauty and platforms and building a business around how you feel about yourself. And, and I'm really, really looking forward to that. So Shannon, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. I, I'm so looking forward to it. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Excited to dive in and chat more. All right. Well, well, let's get right to it. So I'm just going to ask you, you know, tell us about your journey. Yeah, my my journey is a personal one. Um, I started with acne as a child uh, through junior high, high school, um, along with a lot of other people. Um, it was personal for me. It was humiliating for me. Um, I just didn't feel comfortable in my own skin. I didn't feel confident in myself. And it was years and years of that. Um, and then fast forward to college, still kind of struggling with it on and off, um, graduate. And then I start working for a beauty company and I was still struggling with adult hormonal acne. And, it was just very frustrating. And I was like, okay, there has to be a, a solution here. Um, I was working in, in the industry, kind of saw all sides of it, and then started working with an esthetician, getting facials and treatments. And they were able to hand select products for my at-home routine. And then my skin really started to improve. And so that was kind of this aha moment of, wait a second, why aren't more people getting recommendations from estheticians? Um, the direct-to-consumer beauty industry is so insanely crowded and um, can be disheartening to try to filter through, through that. Um, it, predominantly, it's a female-driven industry, but a lot of men struggle with, with skin, skincare, um, issues as well. And so, um, it was definitely a personal journey for me, um, that, that really made me want to start pump. Well, I, I love that. And I think 
one of the things that really resonates with me in your story is is that personal connection. Um, you know, and thank you for sharing so so authentically and vulnerably. But the fact is, you know, your your skin and your smile and your eye, like these are the things, this is how you present yourself to the world. And when you're not feeling confident, when you're not feeling your best, that can make it really, really hard to, to forge new relationships and create meaningful connections because you're almost, or at least me, I get distracted, you know, like if I've got a giant zit on my chin, which still happens, I don't think it's fair, by the way, the universe is an asshole because I don't think it's fair that I should be getting wrinkles and yeah. still have acne. I don't think that's cool, but that's between me and the universe. Yeah. So that being said, you know, when I have a giant zit on my chin and I'm talking to somebody like sometimes it's a very intrusive thought, but it's like, are they looking at this giant thing that's trying to eat my face? Like, please don't let them be looking. And so it can get really distracting. And so really with pomp, what you're doing is you're giving the gift of confidence and self-assuredness. And, and, and I love that that's reflected in your story. And you have beautiful skin, by the way. Listeners, <sighs> you can't see this, but Shannon absolutely has the kind of skin you would expect from someone uh, who is leading a beauty movement. I'm just saying. <laughs> the team of estheticians behind it. That's all yeah. I can say. <laughs> well, so, so tell us about Pomp, because I, I think you you hit on the the really unique value proposition with Pomp, which is that that personalized attention. So I want to hear more about how you came to that. Yes. Um, so I think with, I think it's like a couple things. I think one with estheticians is these are a group of professionals that have gone to school. Um, they have a very unique trade and skill and really understand the skin. Um, and then on the flip side, you have a lot of companies that are um, going more the algorithm route, which there's nothing wrong with that. But I think where I really wanted to go with the personalization is also the human component as well. Um, and being able to support a group of individuals that are, um, you know, most are independent business owners or maybe working at a, a med spa but how do we leverage their expertise and really provide a human-centric personalization um, company? So we, we take personalization to another level. Um, anyone who is looking for skincare, we can, we can partner you with an esthetician virtually at the convenience of your own time and your own home. You don't have to go and see an esthetician if you don't want. Um, it can really all be done um, really on your own, but taking it that to that next level of personalization and matching you with, with a human um, that really understands the skin. So we're not going to have you just do a skin survey and we auto populate your routines, we're going to dive in a little bit further and have you match with an esthetician who's going to um, request a photo of your skin or concern areas and really work with you back and forth to um, handpick a routine that works for you and your lifestyle and um, preferences as well. And so um, I think for us, personalization um, kind of going back to that human component uh, when really bridging those those two together. 
Yeah. Well, and I mean, honestly, again, you're kind of hearkening back to that confidence thing. Cause I got to tell you, like I'll walk into Sephora or Ulta and I, you know, I, I, I'm a, I'm, I'm the kind of consumer that I like to read reviews and I like to kind of do my market research before I invest in a product. And that, you know, now that I'm getting a little older, I find that I'm investing more in my skincare. I'm spending mm-hmm. more money than I used to. I used to buy the cheap drugstore stuff and that worked fine for me. And then, you know, right around my mid thirties, I was like, oh, hey, I'm actually going to have to start spending more money on this stuff. But when I walk into these stores, you know, I can do all the market research I want, but I'm still, I'm not an expert. And so I'm just kind of guessing and it can get really, really overwhelming because you're in this very crowded space. You know, there are any number of products that you can buy to address the wrinkles or the dark spots or the acne or whatever it is. And so having, I feel like having that human on the other side of the table or, you know, the metaphorical table, uh, having that human to kind of talk to you and talk you through these things, that's a confidence builder as well. You know, I know I'm putting my money where it needs to go for the best way to optimize my, my beauty routine. Yes. That's huge. That's amazing. I need to, I like, I'm serious. I just want you to know we're going to stop recording and I'm going to immediately hop on the pod. I love it. (laughs) I love it. Well, in, in, in my past life, we trained the retail associates, but they were only getting trained a couple hours a month on one product line. And you like, to your point, you walking into a store, it's like, you've done your market research and all of a sudden there's, 20 serums on the shelf. And now there's a new one that just came on the market. And it's like, how do you filter through? And for us, we we really go back to the esthetician. We are big, big proponents on education. So um, continuing education for the esthetician and all the product lines we work with. And I also think too, well, for for Pomp, we don't have we don't formulate our own skincare line, so we don't have a Pomp branded skincare line. We have a medical director and esthetician oversight, and um, now we have about fifteen to seventeen skincare lines that we work with because, um, kind of like what you were saying earlier, there are there are great products out there, but it's like how do you filter through through the noise? And so we've partnered with quite a few different really effective skincare lines that then the estheticians can hand select and curate for you. Yeah. Well, and I got to tell you, you know, so, so I don't think that there's anything better than getting a facial. And and for the, the folks who have never gotten a facial before, I uh, highly, highly recommend that you avail yourself of that experience because, hey, it's super relaxing. <laughs> uh, you know, just I, I know it sounds weird, somebody having their hands on your face, but um, it, there's nothing that beats that personalized attention. Every time I walk out of a facial, my skin feels incredible. Yes. You know, it feels moisturized and it feels elastic and it, it feels wonderful. And it's because you have that expert who's really looking at you, looking at your very specific skin type. And I would imagine that skin types are kind of like fingerprints, like everybody's just a little bit different, right? Yes. And so, you know, you're really bringing that kind of facial experience. I mean, no, you don't have anybody rubbing on your face, but you're bringing that facial experience home. You know, you can create your own routine and your own facial experience. So I, I love that. It just makes me, I, so I was in Puerto Rico not too long ago 
and I treated myself to a facial and I just remember like, ah, this, this is the life because my (laughs) skin felt so great when I walked out and I'm like chasing that feeling now. So so I'm going to hop on pump and uh, figure out how to integrate this into my life. Yes. Love it. So good. But so so talk to us about your customer feedback. How do your, how do your customers feel about that kind of one-on-one attention? Well, I think honestly, it shows just in, in our numbers and in our, in the data that we're looking at, um, we don't really get product returns. Um, the estheticians are really kind of nailing it the first time. Um, and they're coming back time and time again. And so what, what we're seeing is that that level of personalization, um, the estheticians are getting it right. And then they're coming back. They're happy with the recommendations. Yeah. So you, you mentioned product returns. Are you seeing, and I, and I actually don't even really know how this would work through Pump, but are you seeing people buying the same products over and over again? Like they worked so well that people decided to repurchase? Yes, they are coming back time and time again. Um, and that's just really, that's a really good indicator for us that they're, they like their skincare and the estheticians got that recommendation, right? That is awesome. Yeah. There, there's no better proof of concept than somebody who comes back and, you know, kind of doubles down on that product line or that offering. So exactly. that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Well, so talk to us about the, the, the beauty landscape, you know, as far as I know, Pomp is a pretty, it's a pretty unique model that you've created. I don't know of any other company that's doing that kind of personalized one-on-one attention. Are you finding competitors in the space? Are you, uh, are you doing this new disruptive thing? I really think we, so uh, one of our earlier missions was to disrupt a massive category in a really big way um, with a few things. Um, One being a new distribution channel for um, skincare lines. They have a pretty, um, pretty not basic distribution channel, but most of them work with retailers e-commerce partners, and then some are physician dispensed and work with uh, physicians, derms, med spas. And we really want to come in as a new type of distribution partner for them. Um, and then uh, from a, a com- other competitor standpoint, you know, there are companies that are um, taking a personalized approach, but it's more um uh, personalized formulations, um, a little bit more AI or algorithm based. Um, and I think that's where we're a little different, really taking that human approach and leveraging, um, a pretty big network of licensed estheticians. Um, and then from a technology standpoint, you know, uh, from, for estheticians, they're really only used to using, um, scheduling or booking tools, um, to help run their business and kind of piecing together everything else. And I think what's also different for us is we're kind of building technology for them to integrate into their day-to-day business um, and kind of creating everything else outside of booking and scheduling, um, which I think is also really impactful and different for the industry. So um, I think we're approaching it different uh, with a few different angles. 
Yeah, it, it certainly sounds like it. Well, you, you said something really interesting that I kind of want to drill down on a little bit, but uh, how are the estheticians benefiting from from POMP? Yeah, so a, f- a few different ways. I think for one, it's we are bringing them new clients. So new, new people that are looking for um, skincare recommendations, we are able to match them with estheticians and then they, um, they get a commission off of every single product sale and reorder. So, um, for estheticians, it's, it's really only a benefit to integrate pomp into their day-to-day, um, because they ultimately are able to do their craft, see more clients and make more, make more money. Um, and then also a lot of the other technology that doesn't currently exist where we are, um, we have on platform messaging so they can message and follow up with clients all in one spot, um, intake forms, client notes. We've just built a lot to support their day to day. Well, that is awesome. And I feel because really, when you think about it, there are a lot of estheticians out there, or at least as far as I know. Um, and re- keep in mind, I'm like a lay person when it comes to the, the beauty and wellness industry. But most of the estheticians that I know of, they're independent. And, you know, they might like buy a seat at a salon or set, not a seat, but like a table at a salon or something like that. But you really have to hustle in yeah. order to do this work well, to find those clients, keep them, market to the clients that you currently have, find the new ones. And so you're creating new avenues to connect these really, really, um, really incredible business owners with, yeah. with opportunity. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah, we are. Yeah. And I think it's it's really impactful. And I think they're, you know, they're to your point, they're business owners too, and trying to grow their business and how we can continue to help them with a lot of the other aspects of growing a business and retention and getting clients to repurchase. Um, we're really trying to help with that as well and just um how we can grow this independent, uh, market. Yeah. Well, so you said, you said something else and I, I just, I, this is a pure curiosity point. Uh, but you said that you don't have a proprietary pomp skincare line. Is that something that you would like to do? Is that something that you're, you're kind of putting the focus on building the platform for now? You know, can you talk to us a little bit about that decision? Yeah. And this, so that's a great question. And that was a very intentional, um, decision of ours and it's really kind of twofold. Um, one, there are so many skincare lines already out there and it is very hard to compete in that and kind of like break in and adopt a new, a new direct to consumer skincare line. Um, also the cost involved for, for creating a new skincare line and the R and D you'd really want to do it right. Um, so I think for us, that was one of them, especially as a startup and what we wanted to do, but then also too, there are incredible lines already out there. It's just filtering through the noise and figuring out which products actually work. So, um, Definitely an intentional decision on our end to not have our own line. Yeah, well, and and so I'm going to kind of generalize this for for the listeners at home and say, you know, sometimes 
you don't have to do all the things at, mm-hmm. as a business. Like sometimes it is the best decision to just focus on the thing that you want to do and do it really extraordinarily well. And so, so I love the fact that you, you kind of decided somewhere along the way, like, Hey, we don't need to do everything. We can support the, the millions of products that are already out there. What we need to do is create a really superior platform. You know, yes. I, I love that. Yeah. Uh, put your focus for for folks who maybe don't have beauty businesses, you know, put your focus intentionally where you really, really want it to be. Do the thing that you're really good at and get really, really fantastic at it. So I, I love that. Uh, so what are some of the challenges that you have come across on your journey? So it's a, I mean, it's, it, I never knew what it would take to start a business. So I think there was a lot of different challenges along the way in different stages, but initially it was, oh, wow, I, I need, I'm like the head of legal and HR and, um, product. And I didn't even know the first thing about hiring an engineer, like how to even interview for them. Um, so those were some of the early stage challenges. And then as things progressed, then it, then it was like fundraising. Oh my gosh, I've never even talked to an investor or VC before. What does that look like? Um, where do I even begin? So I think it's definitely, um, different challenges at different stages come up. Well, you know that I have to kind of follow a thought process that yeah. <laughs> you just introduced. Like I, I have to do it. Talk about that investment. You know, now that you I I am assuming that over the course of your your evolution, you know, you've raised some capital. Uh so so what have what are some of the things that you've done there? Yeah, I so I think what we decided, um, so we we were bootstrapped for the first year and a half. Um and realizing, okay, do we want this to be a lifestyle business and, or do we really want to make an impact and, and really grow this thing and try to make it as, as big as possible? Because we really felt like what we were doing is impactful in so many different aspects of the industry. And that was kind of the decision point of saying, okay, well, we really do need to take on outside capital. Um, I could talk a lot about why you should and why you shouldn't. That, that would be a podcast for another day. Um, <laughs> but I, that was really, but yeah, that was the, the decision we, we decided to take and kind of go going down this route of, um, okay, what does it look like? What do we need? Um, how do we, raise capital, who do we need to talk to, um, and kind of diving in, uh, diving in there. But that was kind of the decision we, we made that, okay, we need, we do need to take on outside capital to do what we want to do. Well, so, so really quickly, I've got to, I've got to do a couple of things here, Shannon. First thing I have to do, I have to remind our dear listeners that today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by FullScale. Finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult, especially when you visit FullScale.io, where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. Use the FullScale platform to define your technical needs and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Visit FullScale.io to learn more. 
And then Shannon, the second thing that I have to do, because we're, we're, we've, we've ventured into the VC space, uh, I have to ask you, um, so, so one of the things that I have heard in my work is that often when female founders, but particularly female founders who lead companies and startups that are focused on kind of woman-focused, women-led products, um, sometimes it can be really, really difficult to explain to a room full of VCs, and often those VCs are dudes. Um, you know, just that's the way that they that's the way it works. Um, you know, it's really difficult to explain the market value. Um, you know, maybe it's not always understood. Did you come up against any of that when you were seeking capital? Yes, in about 160 conversations, I did. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and and so I think like from what I've heard, you know, and I I hear a lot of founder experiences, female founder experiences in my line of work. You know, what I've heard is that it's very difficult for a VC to envision the use case of a product or a platform or an initiative or a company that they aren't personally going to use. And and so talk to us a little bit about that, you know, some of your experiences in there. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a loaded question, um, but I will say um, it it was difficult, and a lot of times investors couldn't even say the word esthetician, so you kind of lost them right right off I mean, the bat. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie, like I have no judgment there because sometimes I yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we internally call them SDs, making it easier on everyone. Right. Um, so. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of times with the conversations, it's just trying to um, make associations of companies that are are similar, but in completely different spaces. So it's like, oh, are you familiar with Rent the Runway or Stitch Fix? Or are you familiar with Uber or other companies where they can make associations that they would understand and then um, kind of break it down for them? Also, I will say most investors do know how big the beauty industry is. So from a size perspective, that's not... um, you know, something that I was really up against, but it was a a lot of the conversations were, let me ask my wife or let me ask my girlfriend. And it's like, well, does your wife make the decisions? Does your girlfriend make your investment decisions? And um, so that it, it, it is and can be frustrating to be in an industry that just isn't familiar to them. Yeah. Well, I, I can certainly see that, but clearly you've been able to communicate that value and that potential because you managed to bring in some cash. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, if you don't mind, can you can you share how much you've raised or you certainly don't have to? Yeah, we, um, we've raised $2.1 million in a seed round last year. That is incredible. And I just, I want to take a moment, listeners, to honor and acknowledge that. Um, so in 2021, uh, I think that was the most recent report. We we're still kind of hovering around two percent of venture capital goes to woman led women led startups, and that is a woeful disparity. the The number becomes even more dismal when you're talking about women of color and you're talking about intersectional women. And so I just want to 
acknowledge the fact that, hey, Shannon, you did a really hard thing in a space that you don't typically see those kinds of returns. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm just, I'm so impressed. Uh, thank you for fighting the good fight for yes. all of us female founders out there. <laughs> yes, I am very passionate about female founders and trying. And unfortunately, this year is actually that um, percentage is lower this year. And I am very passionate about um, helping underrepresented founders and hopefully being a part of, um, a, you know, a movement in the future of trying to get that number up. Overall. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I love that you're, you're forward thinking in that way. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that you want to share about your experience being a female founder? You you can share some of the good stuff because there's good stuff about it too, if you want. <laughs> yeah. I, I think what's interesting about our space and, and there's been a lot of conversations around diversity in the workplace and um, more companies are trying to get even just, just becoming more diverse with their hiring. And I think what is great about the space that we're in and the company that we, my, my co-founder and I um, started is the fact that it really does draw in a pretty diverse group of individuals. And so um, our team is very diverse, which I think is just so fantastic. So um, I do love that. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, you know, you've presented me with another question that I have to kind of drill down on a little bit, but how did you build that, that diverse team? Honestly, it was pretty organic. Um, when we, as roles popped up, we, um, it, it just kind of happened naturally. It wasn't like we were looking for a specific, um, type of person to fill a role, but I think with just what we're building has drawn more diversity with um, the candidates and the team members. Well, I can definitely see where where the excitement would lie for potential yeah. team members. Uh, speaking of speaking of your team, I, I do want to ask you about this. Talk to us a little bit about any mentors or any coaching that you received along the way. Yes, so I. Both when I, the idea first started or came about, um, which was about five six years ago, I was working with a mentor. She was um, a CMO at numerous massive um, multi million dollar beauty companies, and has kind of seen it all. And she was a really big help for me, um, just kind of validating the idea and chatting through some things, and then. Um, recently, just within the last year, I now every uh, two weeks work with an executive coach because what I quickly realized is, yes, I have this great idea, but I have no clue what it looks like to build a company, run a company, think about culture, how to be a CEO, um, and know that I don't naturally have that skill set. Um, so that's something that I actively um partake in every two weeks with an executive coach. Oh, that is awesome. How did you find your executive coach? Through referral. Um, someone else was, uh, I, I put it out there. I got a few different recommendations and then had a couple conversations. And the initial conversation with her was just um, really the perfect fit. 
That is awesome. I, yeah. I We talk about mentorship a lot around Startup Hustle and how absolutely vital it is to so yes. many of the founders. Because the fact is, there's no founder out there who is great at everything. No. Usually founders are really, really passionate about their product or their service offering, you know, really, really into certain aspects of running the business. But the fact is, there's nobody who can do all of it extraordinarily well. It's just impossible. Like everything from accounting to, as you said, like building culture, finding your team, uh, you know, seeking that investment, all of the, all of the things. And so finding those people, putting them around you and, and asking them to help, you know, getting vulnerable with them, sharing stories, making sure that they're able to offer you the help that you need to propel your business forward. Absolutely vital. So again, you know, listeners at home, Find your mentors, find your coaches, find the people who can help you do what you do better and in a way that can help you focus on the things that you do really, really well. Yes. So I want to, I'm going to back us up a little bit and I'm going to ask you about the beauty landscape. Can you talk to us a little bit about the industry in general? Um, You know, kind of where do you think it's going? Because you've created a platform that introduces a lot of really personalized contact, which, which I love, but what other trends and whatever, what other directions are you seeing within the the beauty and wellness industry? Yeah. I mean, great question. Um, personalization is huge. Um, and you know, before it was, um, just a little bit more of just a mass approach and now it's getting more niche unique. Um, Also, the consumers are getting smarter and more educated around um, their skin type ingredients. Um, Also, the consumers starting to lean into anti-aging products in like in their teens and early 20s. So um, the the there's a lot of smaller, more niche indie brands coming out. But then from, yeah, like I said, the consumer perspective, they're good, they're smarter and they are doing their research. Um, and, and so that's a couple really big ones. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta tell you, if I hear more about retinols, I think I might puke. Yeah. I, I read about it so much and I, well, but then here's the thing. And this is where that esthetician, I see that the SD. The SD, you know? yeah. The SD can come in, you know, there are like a billion products out there with retinols now. And they're like uh, retinoids and they're plant retinols and they're, and I'm just like, all right, you know, I, I'm going to need some guidance here. Like yes. there's so much out there. Uh, it really does get overwhelming at times. <laughs> it does. It really does. I mean, for me, it was like, wait a second. I was on this one very popular uh, e-commerce site and I'm like, there are 1600 serums on this yeah. site. How on earth, even when I filter down as far as much as I think I can filter, I'm still left with like 30 to 50. And yeah. then I'm and then I'm like so overwhelmed that then I just leave. And then I don't, don't do what anything. It was reviewed well, you know, it's got like four out of five stars. So it would probably do the job admirably, but like, you know, <laughs> yeah. you don't really know unless you're an expert. Uh, you know, the thing that, that absolutely gets me uh is is when i'm sitting in the beauty store and like someone comes up to me and and asks me if i want to help because i'm sure i look like a lost little puppy dog like yeah. <laughs> you know looking at all of these products and so really what i'm kind of imagining you know pomp as it's like that that salesperson but actually an expert and somebody who's actually there but 
you know, I don't have to be at the store in order right. to make this happen, you know, so it's scalable. Uh, I love it. Well, so tell me, tell me this. I, I, I think I, I want to know, and our listeners want to know, talk to us about the future of Pomp. You know, you've, you've raised some capital, you're building out your team, you're, I'm sure that you're iterating and refining processes and all of those good things that you do when you're a relatively new startup. What does, what does Pomp look like in, you know, five years, 10 years? Yeah, I really want Pomp to, to be that number one trusted platform for consumers from an education standpoint. So, um, not, you know, not bashing beauty bloggers or anything like that, but I want Pomp, I think there's a need for them, um, but I want Pomp to be that trusted source for education from licensed professionals. Um, so just being that really number one trusted source, but then also from the esthetician standpoint, being their number one platform that they're using in their day-to-day business. Um, and honestly, I see, I see Pomp expanding internationally to help other estheticians and consumers internationally across the cross our borders. Um, so I just think we've, we've barely scratched the surface with, with what we can do. That is so exciting. How do you, how do you feel? Um, excited, overwhelmed. Like what, what do we do? I'm, I'm the classic visionary. So I have to be reeled back in. My co-founder keeps me in check. Um, like what are we doing today? Um, so I, uh, so I, I need that, uh, daily check and reminder. Yeah, sometimes we call that executive dysfunction. <laughs> I'm pretty yeah. sure all founders have it. It's like, eh, there are about a million things that I could do and I don't know where to start. So I'm going to, you know, fuck off and sit on my couch and watch net a Netflix. Right. Movie. Right. <laughs> But no, that that is super cool. What are you proudest of on your journey? I'm proudest that I actually did this and took a leap because if you knew me and my personality, I'm very risk adverse. I like stability um, and everything about a startup journey is anything but that. Um, so I'm just really proud of myself from idea to where we are today. Yeah. Well, I, congratulations on all of that growth. And now here's, I've never done this before. You are very, very special. Oh. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to ask you two human questions. Okay. <laughs> because the first one, I'm just really curious and I want to know. Okay. Uh, but what, what are some of the standout products in your beauty routine? <laughs> oh, um, so before working with an esthetician, um, I would have never said this, but SPF. I am such an SPF junkie that I cannot leave the house without putting it on. So okay. um, <laughs> that that's my number one. All right. Well, that that is awesome. And the other thing, and this kills me about skincare routines, and I am I, extremely curious about this, and I think this is what I'm going to talk about with my, my Pomp Esty, that layering thing. Because like, I never yeah. know, does SPF go on the first layer or does the, you know, like where does it... You have to, so for those of you who don't know, it's very important, the order in which you put yes. products on your skin in order to maximize their performance. And I have no idea how that works. Yes. Uh, where, does SPF, where does SPF go? Is it the first thing you put on? SPF is always, always, always the last. Okay. Okay. Yes. Good. 
See, now I know. All and right. a general rule of thumb is thinnest to thickest. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do that. It's kind of it's kind of like a place setting. Like if you eat your salad fork, you work your way in, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I dig it. All right. I love that there is a a rule of thumb. Yes. <laughs> so now you're gonna get your second, uh, your second human question, just because I don't know. I was feeling whimsical today and I just really wanted to know about your skincare routine. Uh, but your your human question is if you if you were stranded on a deserted island and could take three people with you, who would you take? Oh, good question. Um, my husband, I did just have a baby, so I would take him as well. <laughs> um, and thank you. And, and my mom, they, those are, those are my Aww. three ride or dies. Yeah. You've created, you've created a little family unit right there on your Yeah, island. I have. <laughs> All right. Well, well, hey, Shannon, thank you so much for, for taking the time to talk to us today. This was this was great. I've learned a lot. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to chat. Absolutely. And of course, a huge thank you goes out to our episode sponsor, FullScale. Do you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders? FullScale can definitely help. They have the people and the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts, which I think we all kind of need in our lives. When you visit FullScale.io, all you need to do is answer a few quick questions and then let the platform match you up with fully vetted, highly experienced software engineers, testers, and leaders. At FullScale, they specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you. Learn more when you visit FullScale.io. And friends, I also want to point you, if you're if you're interested in building a tech business, we have a 52-part series that Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson put their prodigious, beautiful brains behind. And I invite you to check that out anywhere you listen to Startup Hustle. Keep an eye out for the How to Build a Tech Company series. Uh, it's, a, it's a really, really good one. Now, friends, as always, we are so very grateful that you take the time to listen to us week after week. Uh, we do this all for you, and we will catch you on the flip side. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it.